Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's agriculture industry. Working with the Rural Support Trust, each week I talk with farmers and industry professionals to hear their stories and expert opinions on various industry-related matters that are relevant to both our farming and our urban communities. This week I talk with Dr Graham Bordeaux, Principal Scientist for Weeds, Pests and Biosecurity Team at Ag Research who is leading a 10-year program, which is the Pastoral Sector Weeds Research Strategy. The strategy contains a vision, identified sector challenges, outcomes sought, research capability needs to deliver to target research areas, and some initial key initiatives. Let's catch up with him now to find out about the program. Hello, Graham. Thank you for your time today. Hello, Angus. Good to be here. Please, can you tell me about the work that you do? Well, Angus, um, my work is really focused, my work, my team's work is focused essentially around understanding the population dynamics of weeds in pastures. And that is trying to explain how it is that they might increase over time or might decrease or be stable over time. Um, And we do that we do that by, we come to that understanding by um, a combination of uh, computer models and um, empirical work in the field to, to build those models. And um, so yeah, there's a lot of work in, in the field collecting data on particular species, such as data such as how many seeds do they produce, how long do the seeds survive in the soil, what proportion of them germinate and become uh, add to the population what are their what are the decay rates of seeds what are the survival rates of plants so we build all of that information um, into a computer model and then the nice thing about these models that they can they can help us um, through simulation they can help us foresee what we'd expect to happen uh, under different management strategies for a particular weed, mm. um, so it helps us sort of helps us provide a scientific basis for weed management decision making at all at a range of scales too, from from an individual paddock on a farm for a particular weed to the whole farm up to a region and even nationally. So. Mm. We work across all of those scales with these models and this understanding that we build up around how weed weed populations behave dynamically over time in pastures. Mm. I understand you are the lead on a 10-year pastoral weed research strategy. What is the purpose of this research? Um, Well, the purpose of the research is is actually to address uh, the key sector uh, challenges that uh, are identified in the strategy. Now, the strategy um, uh, was a, uh, a collaboration between uh, the leading weed scientists in New Zealand back in 2017 and the industry, the pastoral sector industry um, players. Um, and the strategy evolved out of a workshop in November 2017. And there were three key sector uh, challenges that were identified in that in that workshop that, that are really the key part of the strategy. Um, so the research that we're doing 
um, is being guided by that strategy and those key sector challenges. And what are those sector um, challenges? Okay, well, the the top three, uh, st- starting in order, um, going in order, the first one, the top one is what we're, what what is called known as internal biosecurity. So this was identified, and, and what we mean by that is the industry is concerned about the spread of weeds at various scales from between farms, from farm to farm, and between regions and across New Zealand. And this comes about really because we have. Uh, at least 200 species uh, of largely adventive plants, plants from overseas that are established in our pastures in New Zealand. Some of them are huge problems at the moment. Some of them are potentially problems for the future. And most interestingly, many of these species um, have not yet fully occupied their potential ranges in New Zealand. So many of them are, are local problems. And the concern is that, you know, are, which, which of these species are likely to become more widespread in the future? What are the consequences for climate, consequences of climate change for the spread of some of these species that we like to call sleeper weeds? Have you got some examples so the, of those, Graham? Yeah, um, a good example of a sleeper weed would be Chilean needlegrass, um, uh, yellow star thistle, in fact, talking about the thistles, um, we have in New Zealand naturalised here now all of the major thistle weeds throughout the world. About nine of them, there's about 64, 63 species naturalised in New Zealand, 63 species of thistles. Nine of them are problematic currently. Most of them have not yet, uh, most of that nine, nine actually haven't uh, fulfilled their potential ranges in New Zealand. And then there's these other the rest of them, amongst the rest of them, um, there are some, uh, they are all potentially sleeper weeds. They're naturalised, they're not causing problems. And the question is, and some of those are huge problems overseas, such as yellow star thistle, for example, huge problem um, in, the prairie, in parts of uh, America. So, um, yeah, so the big question for regional councils and, and the pastoral sector in general is well, which of those species um, are likely to be uh, major problems in the future? Mm. Um, and our research is focused to some extent around, some of our research is focused on trying to answer those sorts of questions. Okay. Uh, which species should we be getting onto now to avoid the future gorses and brooms and the future Californian thistles. Mm. So what are the key initiatives for this program? Well, uh, the initiatives really are to um, undertake research on the internal biosecurity issues. Um, and I'm, I need to go back and mention the other, th- other, th- other two key sector challenges in addition to internal biosecurity, mm. uh, the, the evolution of herbicide resistance in weeds mm. and the need the need for alternatives to synthetic chemicals. Uh, there's an increasing uh, concern about chemicals in the environment and pastoral farmers are increasingly asking the question, what about biological control? for weeds and pastures. So the key the three three key initiatives for our research is to 
is to address the issues around internal biosecurity, to come up with useful weed risk assessment models, to be able to prioritise weeds for management, which are the big ones for the future, to understand the evolution of herbicide resistance so that we can better manage it, and to start looking for um, biological alternatives for herbicides for mm. pasture weeds. Yeah, so you've talked about the resistance to chemicals. Are certain weeds developing resistance at different rates to others? We probably, uh, we don't have enough information to be able to, to say that certain weeds are developing resistance more than others. But what we do know uh, from international research and, and research in New Zealand is that some classes of herbicides are far more likely to um, have resistance developed to them than others. Mm. And so, uh, and that is why we're pushing for the so-called mode of action of herbicides to be added to herbicide labels so that farmers can understand that um, what mode of action they're using and which modes of action are, are risky in terms of evolved resistance. And to enable them then to write, you know, the main message really from herbicide resistance work is is that farmers need to not rely on the same mode of action year after year uh, it's the main reason for that main main thing that drives resistance evolution is treating a, a weed population year after year with the same mode of action so the message is farmers need to rotate between mode of actions that's why it's important that we have mode of action labels on herbicide on the herbicides and that's happening it's okay. happening out there now that's interesting so you talk about mode of action and how are farmers being supported in the identification and management of weeds on their properties well um in various ways so um the scientists and, and the team that i work in um produce identification booklets so we have a, a series of booklets called the Ute Guides, that are a small ring binder type booklets that farmers can have in their, in their ute um, mm. that can help them identify weeds. We publish um, uh, weed identification books that are available through the New Zealand Plant Protection Society um, for purchase. We also um, uh, provide information on weed identification and weed management um, on the Dairy NZ website and, and Beef and Lamb website. Um, so there's a variety of mechanisms. Um, mm. and, and in addition to that, we also run, uh, get involved in sustainable farming fund projects with farmer groups and for uh, where we are typically looking at one species and its management. And for example, we've just finished a six year program with a group of farmers in Golden Bay, dairy farmers, uh, looking looking closely at how best to manage uh, giant buttercup in dairy pastures. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, and there were many, many workshops and farmer field days throughout that six years where, we, where the scientists presented the results and the farmers gave us feedback. And that particular program resulted in two apps, actually, a, a phone app, a phone app that farmers now have on their on their phone to enable them to measure how much giant buttercup they've got in their pasture, and in, and in addition to that, there's a, a, a web application, a decision support tool that came out of that um, that sustainable farming fund project that is available through the Dairy NZ website, 
and the far farmers and the consultants can go to that website, put in the details about how much um, buttercup is in a particular pasture and run some scenarios comparing different herbicide options, taking, taking into account the potential for herbicide resistance, taking into account the damage that many of these herbicides do to the legumes, the, the clover content, the nitrogen fixing com uh, component of the pasture and come up with uh, the best option for a particular the best herbicide option for managing that weed in a particular pasture. So that's that's a good example, that giant buttercup example. The decision support system is a, is a great example of how our science has led right through to a decision support tool for dairy farmers. Graham, what is the annual cost to farmers in weed control in New Zealand? And is this cost increasing? Um, we don't have a good handle, to be honest, on the, the cost of weeds um, to any sector of the agricultural sector in New Zealand. But in a recent, the best we can the best we can do is to say, based on data that that has been published, that only ten of these two hundred odd species that I mentioned earlier, mm. ten of these ten of the species, the loss in production from those ten species annually, our best estimate is around 1.3 billion per annum in lost production. Okay. That doesn't take account of the cost of herbicides, um, whether or not they manage the weed, the failure of herbicide, herbicides being, being used and failing to manage the weed because of resistance. It doesn't take into account any of that and it's only for 10 species. So you, you can scale up from that, you know. It's a significant cost. Ten, yeah, 10 species are costing 1.3 million per annum in simply lost production. 1.3 billion, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, 1.3 billion. Yeah. Yeah, 10 pasture weeds. That's the only 10 that have ever been assessed in terms of their economic effect. But I guess the point is that weeds do cost a heck of a lot in terms of lost production. They cost a lot in terms of um, the cost of management, herbicides, etc., pasture renovation, all the rest of it. Um, but we don't have a really good figure. But the chances are it's way in excess of 1.3 billion per annum. Yeah, that's an extraordinary number. And of course, it must be really hard to manage a lot of these weeds at our border. Yeah, and well... Actually, that's an interesting question, and it's beyond. It's not something that this uh, strategy is actually focusing on. Um, we do have another big program called the B3 program in New Zealand, which is focusing on the international border, um, and so that's out of, out of the scope of this particular this ten-year pastoral weeds mm. strategy. Mm. Um, but it's, it's an important matter, but um, there's a good case to be made for the idea that most of our future weeds are already here. Yep. Um, you know, we've introduced since the early days of pastoral farming thousands of plants from overseas. I think the latest estimate is, is around 2,000 of those have naturalised. So there's a heck of a lot of plants out there, and as I mentioned earlier, amongst the thistle subtribe, a lot of them that have naturalised here, but not yet problems, are huge problems um, in, a, in other temperate countries in the world. And so, you know, we should worry about what's coming in and car tyres and imports from overseas. But we mustn't forget the fact that we have intentionally or unintentionally 
introduced thousands of species already that are already naturalised and, and amongst those are some important weeds overseas and we need to you know, take that seriously and, and try and figure out which of them are likely to be the future big problems and, and, and in particular take account of climate change. So mm. we really need to look forward. And, that, and our modelling enables us to do that. So we actually build, uh, in addition to population dynamics models, we build what we call climate niche models for species based on their, where they grow overseas and their native range and their invaded ranges overseas. We can estimate where in New Zealand uh, a particular species is likely to be able to spread to based on its climate preference. And, and we can do, do the, project those models out under current climate and, a, and under future climate scenarios. So we can look at the effects of climate change on the potential distributions and, and therefore the potential impacts of, of these sleeper weeds. That's interesting. And these species that you've identified or are identifying, mm-hmm. is an eradication strategy the preferred option or is management are the more likely scenario? Eradication is typically not a feasible option. Once a species is uh, established, uh, if you get the few, the first very few, <laughs> the first few plants, um, but that's usually impossible because weeds are not usually identified uh, until they're naturalised. Mm. And then by the time they're naturalised, then it really is typically too late mm. to eradicate. And so really uh, containment or you know, preventing uh, the spread from uh, locations where these species are naturalised, you know, and hence internal biosecurity really uh, is the key thing. Eradication is a, a nice idea and we've had eradication strategies for some major weeds in New Zealand, such as Narcella tussock, mm. and we haven't been able to eradicate. Mm. that species and really it's the best approach really um, given the biology of these things and their ability to propagate and the the seed banks now for example gorse has a seed bank that can last for 70 years Um, really uh, we need to manage them Mm. cost effectively and put our resources into the ones where the the best bang for the buck Mm. is to Mm. be achieved yeah so yeah, eradication is not something that is typically uh, achievable, but we can certainly limit the spread of plants once we understand their population dynamics and their mechanisms of dispersal and the vectors, the way they get around. Um, mm. So that goes right back to you know the understanding the basic population dynamics, the demographic processes, and the reproductive biology of these things. And just interesting. And where are you at in terms of the life cycle of this program currently? Well, um, we have what we think is a, a potential solution for Californian thistle in New Zealand, um, a beetle from, from Switzerland uh, from uh, and other parts of Europe. And one of the scientists in the team is working on that species and trying to explain. We, we know that this beetle has been very successful in the wire wrapper against mm-hmm. California thistle. Um, we're now trying to explain why 
why it's actually had quite a variable effect between different regions of the country. And we think this may have something to do with its climate preferences. So we're trying to, to improve uh, the, uh, the outcome from that battle, but um, it looks at the moment to have um, a huge potential, not only for Californian thistle, but for some of our, our other thistles. So that's, uh, so we've made uh, some- That's quite exciting. Uh, you know, it is exciting and, and that's real progress because uh, Californian thistle is undoubtedly um, the worst thistle we have currently in New Zealand. Mm. It's right through the country and it alone, uh, our, our recent um, farmer survey, from a recent farmer survey, we were able to estimate that that species alone is causing a loss of around $700 million in pastoral farm productivity per annum. Wow. So that's one species. One species. So having this, yeah, and having this beetle, I mean, and this beetle can fly so it can get into the hill country where a lot of our, our California thistle is now, um, where it's never going to be profitable or indeed able to be sprayed with herbicides. You mm. can't get vehicles on there. So looking for a, a, a having a biological control agent such as a beetle that can fly around um, is ideal. So, uh, so understanding how it works, how this beetle works, is a key part of our program and potentially how we might be able to mass rear it um, on artificial media and, and distribute it much more widely than it already has. So mm. there's a lot of a lot of angles here around this classical biocontrol of thistles. So that's what one of the achievements and that's progress we've made. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And we've also, I was going to say, um, we've also made um, making progress around understanding herbicide <clears throat> resistance evolution. Mm. Um, and how better to manage manage that? And we, I mentioned that earlier around yeah. rotating mode of actions. But but watch the space because yeah. um, um, there's going to be some interesting stuff coming out from our program on the genetics of herbicide resistance and the implications of that for the timing of herbicide spraying. Perhaps we it's can an chat interesting again. Space. Yeah, I think we can uh, if you. Uh, a year's time would be great to catch up yeah, because indeed. we will have some more more results from from our crosses and this understanding we're trying to gain on the uh, genetics of resistance to herbicides and giant buttercup actually is the uh, species okay. that we're working on there. So and, and and of course we've made progress on uh, risk analysis and providing risk models to regional councils so that they can better prioritise their investment in regional pest management plans. Mm, that's very exciting. Look, um, I know you're busy, but before you go, have you got a view on recent changes to the freshwater policy statement? And how important, in your view, is that farmers are driving such changes? I think, well, I have some strong, strong views here. Um, I've seen the deterioration of lowland low, low water rivers in Canterbury, uh, my home area over my lifetime. I believe a lot of that deterioration is due to the way we're farming the land. I think it's not only, I think it's in the interest of all of New Zealanders, including our farmers, to drive the changes uh, that are required in land management to improve our fresh water, the status of our fresh water. Yeah, yep. uh, the more our um, international um, markets uh, demand uh, produce from sustainably farmed systems 
uh, the more important this will become. I know that many, many farmers are taking this very seriously and there's some really good work happening out there already and uh, we just need to do more of it. But I think um, there's going to have to be some big changes in land management in addition to these mitigation strategies that are already being put in place, such as uh, riparian planting and nitrogen uh, application limits, etc. So I think it's a big deal for New Zealand, it's a big deal for farmers, and it's a big deal for all of us. And um, I think farmers um, do need to drive these changes and, and, and it's happening. Thank you very much for your time today, Graham. You're welcome. Thank you to Dr. Graham Bordeaux for his time and insight into the pastoral sector weeds research strategy. Some interesting work he and his team are undertaking, especially with giant buttercup and progress being made with Californian thistle, the beetle that has been identified and has shown good results in managing this thistle in the Wairarapa is encouraging. This thistle alone is costing farmers in New Zealand $700 million in loss of productivity per annum. And Graham said this is a portion of the estimated $1.5 billion plus lost in productivity each year for our farmers by weeds. This is another challenge for farmers, so continued progress of programs like the Pastoral Sector Weeds Research Strategy are vital as part of the big picture and future-proofing our farmers. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factum Agri.